Today, we take a walk down memory lane and revisit some of the wisdom that was shared on this podcast. So we're going to hit that music and we're going to remember. Welcome to the fittest fat kid you know. I'm Bruce. I happen to be that fittest fat kid you know. And this week is all about trimming the metaphorical fat. We are going to revisit some of the pearls of wisdom that have been gathered over the past half year and just share those. There's no real rhyme or reason to how they're being laid out. But if you stick around, you might learn a little bit about mindset and a little bit about how to get yourself started working out in a sane way. So let's do it. I talked to Dexter Fletcher about how to get into the right frame of mind and the importance of the people who you surround yourself with. Well, I, first I have to tell you a story. So in my, my unit, I mean, some people look at me and say, oh man, you're always in great shape. You're always this, you're always that. And I'm going down to the person who just can't seem to feel like, man, I can never do it. I, I just, and sometimes it's just self-defeat right off the get-go. And I'll tell you, I, I'm very familiar with that because I, I've had almost every injury known to mankind in my job, because if you look at my hand, I got a piece of finger missing. I got uh, shoulders been torn in three places. I have a metal hip. I've had broken this, broken that. And each time those things happened, I, I, I was at my lowest, not just physically, but mentally. And every single time I overcame it, every single time I had to build myself back up from when I messed my hand up, I didn't have the grip of a, a baby had a strong grip than me. And plus, I almost lost his finger. I was told, well, your career is over. I've been told that so many times. So I was at my lowest. And, and, and it starts here. There's, this, there's this, this saying that goes, as a man thinks, so is he. You have to start thinking in a certain direction. It's up to you. It has to be a decision made here first. And every time I went through that, I made a decision. I had to see myself where I wanted to be. Then I had to think myself getting there. And then I had to get up and just do anything, movement. You just got to do some type of movement in that direction. You'll find out it's, it's in our nature to be and overcome and to become better and better and better. Because I'll I pose this, this to you. Uh, no one has ever taught a baby how to walk. No one. You, you can assist them. No one said to a, a child or a baby, okay, you know, it's time for you to get up and walk. That baby instinctively gets up and it starts holding onto tables and start trying to walk. That's in us. That's in our DNA. That's in our makeup. That's who we are, man. We are conquerors. Every human that's in this world is a conqueror. Because when you think about it, when you got here, you fought and went against a thousand other little things swimming around that stream to, to fertilize that egg. Millions. Millions of... That was you. You are naturally a winner. You just have to wake that up. And when you have those challenges, which I've had because each time it took... It's, it won most of my injuries take, well, my worst injuries took seven months to build myself. That's almost a whole year of not being able to do what I know I'm capable of doing, I have done before. And most people will quit. And they say, you know, that's it. My career is over. Not me, my mind. And, and, and that same thing that drove us to get to that, that egg and fertilize it, that's in you. You just have to open that up. And it starts with here. Think. You have to think and see yourself doing it. And then after that, it's just moving that direction. And you're going to see that, man, you know what? I kind of look forward to this. 
and you're going to see improvement. And that improvement, it, it gives you that, that push to say, you know what, I like this. But then it's going to be phases. You're going to say, you know, I don't feel like getting up and doing that. I don't feel like doing this. I don't feel like doing that. And that comes to that thing. You got to have a purpose greater than yourself. So your purpose should be, you know, what? I want to live a good and better and more quality life. That's your purpose. And when you start focusing on thing, that, that has to be the fuel that drives you. And then community is extremely important. You need to be around the right people who do those sorts of things. And they're going to push you and talk to you. And just by you visually seeing it, you're going to want to do it. Where we train, Bruce, being around the type of people, being around the type of element, being around the people that like to move and try to do, it's going to push you. You're going to actually migrate to having, being around your environment, you become your environment. You just got to put yourself in an environment of people who, who do the kind of things you're trying to do. That's important. They do say that you are the sum of the five people you're around the most. That's true. The, the people you're around and the environment you're around totally affect who you are. Yes. So I, I say, first, you got to get your mindset right. You got to have a vision of who and what you want. Well, how do I get a mindset? Start looking at magazines. Start looking at TV. Look at, get on YouTube and look at people who went from one, one point to the other. Look at them. Watch them. Mimic them. And you have to get up and start moving. Then put yourself in that environment. Find a good system that's, that's good for you. Tell it for you. Well, how do I know the system's tell it for you? Trial and error. This didn't work. I didn't like that. And then you'll find something like, like I use the knife sometimes to train people. I use the mitts to train people because I'm trying to find that, that language that they love, that they appreciate and understand. And they start loving that challenge. And they say, man, I love the progress. And soon later, you forget about the energy uh, or the energy it takes to do it. It'll remind you because you're going to get tired. But you have the right person that pushing you, the right community pushing you, you're just going to get better. You have to continue to stay around that environment, continue to put that positive stuff in your mind. And when people start saying, oh, you, you can't do this, you can't do that, you got to put an X on them and don't be around them. Put yourself around the good people and you will see improvement. As a man thinks, so is he. And you, you, you're going to be, you're going to absorb your, your community, who you're around. All those things are elements to get you where you want to be. I spoke to the native saying himself, Bill Pickernell, about comparing yourself to others. Be the wise man on the hill for a moment, even if you're not in a hill, even if you don't have a hill to be on at the moment. <laughs> the best advice I, I usually try to give people is, like one of my favorite hashtags that I use is hashtag, this is my story. People are going to say, hey, you're not losing weight like Bill, like I am. You're not losing weight like you know, Zach, you're not losing weight, like blah, blah, blah. This is your story. Don't let other people say you should be losing it faster or slower. Or, you know, if you're losing one pound in a month, you know, 12 pounds in a year, you know, you're doing great. You're losing. It's going downward. Like, don't let people, you know, put down your progress that you're making. You're making progress. Keep it up. You're doing amazing. That's, you know, my favorite thing to tell people is you're doing great. How many people in your life tell you that you're doing great? Not very many. You know, how many people, you know, my favorite thing also to tell people in the comments is I appreciate you. How often do you get people to appreciate you? You know, I'm trying to positively tell people that I see them and I love them and, you know, do it at your pace. It's your story. It's no one else's. It's yours. I talked to Daniel Reyes about how do you visualize getting the results you want? You know, one of the first thing I did when I really like when I was when I was like I'm gonna do this I'm you know it, this is gonna happen um I had read a book on discipline right 
and in that book they I forget the name of the book, but um they talked about one of the ways like if you really have a goal you want to achieve it's good to write down your goals, right? Like that everybody knows like that's a good idea. But also write down what you think you're going to feel like when you achieve them and why you're worth achieving them. Because I think a lot of times, at least for myself, being overweight, self-sabotage is real, right? Oh, yes. So so writing down why it's you're worth doing these things and really putting it down on paper. And then whenever you feel like self-sabotage, whenever you feel like breaking, just – like I keep mine in my Google Doc, right? So I can just grab it on my phone real quick and pull it up and, and, and see it. And, and I remind myself of that and, and I, because I, I wrote down what I want to feel like in the future, you know, that's more powerful than wanting, you know, Panda Express, <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm just like, I was just caught for a moment on of all the things you could possibly want. It was Panda Express. Dude, that orange chicken is delicious. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Kroger talked to me about being responsible for oneself and making the difficult choices that you need to make to move yourself forward sometime. I, I mean, I think that, that, that ultimately the, the question, it's a question actually, not, not necessarily dictating um, something to someone, but, you know, the question is, is what do you want? And, you know, what do you want? What is it? If, if you're happy how you are, then you don't need to make changes to that. If you're not happy, then in order to satisfy that, you're going to have to do something. And, and that's the question is, is what do you want? You know, do you, do you want change? Because if you want change, you'll do it, right? You will do it. If you want change, but you don't want to work for it, that change will not come. And, and, or, or, you know, you want change without, without, um, without changing yourself, you know, because th th there's a saying that when you change yourself, you change the world. And, and because that's, that's how we perceive the world, you know, through ourselves. So if we change how we are, the world's going to change for us, but you have to want something. You have to want to, to make change in order for that to happen. It, 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 and, it, and, you know, it's, there, there's, I, I don't think there's, there's any way to, to, to sugarcoat it, it uh, no pun intended, but, uh, that, that it, it's gonna suck. Glucose. Yeah. Oh, glucose. It, it, but it is going to suck, especially at the beginning. And, and for people that have put on a lot of weight, like I've never put on all that much weight before. Um, so I don't intimately know what it feels like to be working under those conditions uh, of, of having all that extra weight on you and, and you're trying to get it off, but everything hurts, uh, you know, just getting out of bed hurts uh, to, to exercise is excruciating. It's hard because your cardiovascular system doesn't know is, you know, is happening to it, but also all the weight that your frame is carrying and all those muscles and ligaments and tendons, they hate that extra weight, but you have to move it if you want to get rid of it. So, you know, that's the, this, the kind of acceptance you have to have is, is that, you know, it, you have to decide you want it. If you want it, then you have to decide to do it. When you have this weight, it makes everything a lot more difficult. So 
when I, you know, as you know, I had my, I lost all that weight. I gained it back. And I, be, when I was first began losing the weight, the stuff I was trying to do, everything did hurt a lot because rolling, flipping, trying to pretend to throw punches, taking falls. I'm doing that. But meanwhile, the way I pack and everybody packs on weight differently. I'm almost exclusively into my belly. Like the having gained almost 80 pounds over pandemic, like a little bit around this, a little bit, lost a little bit of that sharpness in my chin, mm -hmm. but you're not seeing it here. It's all up here. So that means if I try to do jump rope, which I did last week, it's like ba-boing, ba-boing, ba-boing. Sure. And that hurts. And that, that hurts. And the other thing that I now have that I'll probably have for the next 20, 30 pounds is my left Achilles, which I had injured years ago. Not severely, didn't need surgery, but I hurt it. I feel that when I start walking yeah. or start doing anything. And for the first five, 10 minutes, it's almost a little bit of a limp before enough blood gets into the area. Yeah. And it's just something that has to be accepted. I'm not happy about it. I'd be lying to say that there isn't part of me that when I start getting moving that I'm like, this hurts. And if I stop now, I don't have to feel that pain. Right. Right. But of course, that pain will always be there no matter what if I don't push through it. Of course. So it's a trade-off. You have to, a little bit of suffering now for a lack of suffering later. Sure. Yes, that, that is it. And, and this is, uh, I mean, we live very, very much in a society that's kind of trained us to feel like we deserve to be comfortable and we deserve to have it easy and we we don't deserve uh hardship we don't deserve um really guttural deep challenges um and, and you know we're all supposed to be just laying around eating bonbons and you know uh, going on social media right we're not supposed to we're not supposed to struggle anymore and, and i think as a crock an absolute crock of shit uh, I, I think that that uh, a human without struggle is essentially a vessel of weakness i agree with that and even to take that one step further we're also now trained to look for the easy way. There's always some kind of easy answer. Yeah, the hack. There has to yeah. be a hack for everything. There has to be. And I've recently begun joining a bunch of forums on fitness and, and weight loss. They fall into very different categories. And there are some that are kind of like really strict. There are some fasting ones that where I suggested having a gummy vitamin once a day. You would have thought that I suggested getting a big ass tub of ice cream right. and going face first into it for four calories worth of gummy vitamin. Right. But the flip side to that are a lot of the other forms where what fruit will teach, will burn off arm fat. It's like nothing's burning off arm fat. Nothing's spot reducing. Spot reducing doesn't happen. Stop even thinking about it. Not, not big, big picture. It doesn't. I mean, when, as we've learned with Eric, when you get down to the fine strokes, it works, but Spot training when you are simply overweight will not, it is, it, you're not, if you're, if you're 75 pounds overweight, you're not getting abs, man. Like you just not, you know, <laughs> you, you, you gotta work that shit off. Yeah. Hell at 20 pounds, you're not getting abs. Yeah. Abs, abs is this, there are people who genetically have them and yeah. those people are, they've won the lottery for most people. Having abs is a temporary thing that is born out of a severe amount of dieting, mm -hmm. not exercise. You will never, ever exercise your way to abs. No, we make them it's, in the kitchen, not in the gym. Yep. It's true. But you'll find these, all these different 
these forms just filled with, I can strip your body. I can do this. This product does this. Mm -hmm. Ask me about this. Mm -hmm. I'm, I don't know the names of these products. And even if I did, I wouldn't say them because I wouldn't want anybody to hear them mm -hmm. and then go looking for them. Right. But none of these products ever work. No, they're, they're designed to do one thing, Bruce. Make money. They're not they're to make money. That's all. That's all these are for. They're, they're not uh, because ultimately the answer is not, hey, take this pill, use this gimmicky piece of equipment or or, you know, drink this drink and, you know, stand on one leg and you'll start to burn calories. You know what it takes. It takes some grit. You, you got to work. You know, that that's none of, none of this. I, I mean, that's outside of um, outside of diet. Uh, there's nothing that works except for work. I'm upset to find out that the one leg thing doesn't work because I really- Yeah, yeah. Been there, Don't try that. That shining light of the podcasting world, Jemmy Lagagna, talked about self-realization. I would say to get laser focused on the part of your soul who knows you're worth it. Get laser focused with that part of your soul and make that part of your soul your best friend because it's so hard when- for the most part, you don't think you're worth it. You don't think you're worth the effort. But if you can latch on to that piece of you that knows you're worth it, and then just keep going back to it, letting it thrive as much as you can, letting it be be the guidepost for you as you journey on saying, you know what, I, I, I know I don't feel like I'm worth it today. I don't feel like going out and working out because um, I just, I'm not worth it. Tap into that piece of you that knows that you are. And, and, just make it your best friend and lock arms with it and hold on for dear life because you are worth it. And so whether it goes back to the thing I said at the very beginning, you know, making your own why list, make your own why list, but know that you're, you're worth it. You, you need to stay on this planet. People need you. People love you. And, um, and it can start from within and that's how it has to start. It can't start with a million messages from everyone else. It has to start in here. So find that voice in there and make it big. I talked to Matthew Geddick about just how to get started. Just that, you know, if it's something in your brain, if, if you're not worried about it, I don't want to body shame people, but I, I think that, you know, if you know that you're in an unhealthy place and you, you have that inside of you, that little voice, it's like, man, I just wish this, I wish I was the less heavy or I wish I could get that girl or something. It's as easy as going out and walking around, maybe walk around the block. You know, it can start that small, but those little steps, even if it's just walking, could make gigantic, gigantic progress in your life if that's a goal that you have. It doesn't, you don't have to be like the rock and be in the iron paradise every day, just lifting insane weights. Like it, it's not, that might not even be healthy, you know, but just do whatever, just start. The, whatever you need to, you know, whatever that step is, that first little baby step, if it's in your heart to make that change, just do walk around the block. That's the best thing I can tell you. You're not going to be running like Usain Bolt. You're not going to be lifting, you know, hundreds of pounds, but walking and just flipping a little switch in your head a year from that time, you're going to look back and be like, man, I'm glad I did that. I, I can tell you from experience, you know. Johnny Bluzit talks about the potential physiological origins of comfort eating and how we might have evolved to do this for particular stressful situations. The thought actually crawled into my head this morning 
uh, which was relevant to something you said in the last session where you described yourself as a professionally trained comfort eater and you, did, you could out-comfort eat the best of them. And comfort eating is something that's a particular problem for all of us around the holidays. But the thought that crossed my mind is that you might actually not be a trained comfort eater. We might have instincts that have evolved to be the way they are that are now maladaptive but once served a purpose in and around comfort eating. So if you think about the three stressors that existed in people's lives, things that gave them anxiety starting from 40,000 years ago up until maybe 100 years ago, the three stressors would have been famine, that there just is simply a shortage of food, not enough to eat, the gathering and hunting didn't go very well this past couple of weeks. Or it would have been weather, impending winter, winter is coming, Jon Snow, uh, or it might have been number three, impending violence, that either we're going to go out for a hunt tomorrow or we're going to war. And in each one of those three cases, fattening up is a reasonable thing to do, right? So if there isn't enough to eat and you're starving, then eating anything you can shove into your mouth is reasonable. And if winter is coming, fattening up to the tune of 50 pounds would have not even been possible back then, like fattening up for the winter probably meant more like five pounds. And that also would have been a very advisable thing to do. And if you're going on a hunt or you're going into war, you would want to eat a big meal and keep your strength up. Make sure your glycogen supplies are full. Make sure you have enough fuel to go. So eating as much as you can, which wouldn't have been very much in any case, would have been a perfectly reasonable thing to do. And I wonder if there isn't an evolutionary component to why now when we feel stress, we want to eat. For the most part, for a lot of people, I think for a majority of people, when stress happens, it does create the desire to consume. And for me, though, I, I will say, I will push back on, I'm definitely still well-trained. There could be a biological component to it, but I am by far well-trained to do this. Well, there is training, definitely. I mean, if your comfort food is uh, Krispy Kremes or White Castle, you've obviously been trained to do that. That stuff didn't exist in the tundra or on the savanna. Um, but the training is training you to do, I suspect, something that your body sort of wants to do anyway. And that's why it's really easy to train people to do that. Well, a lot of our, a lot of our based instincts do work against us in a modern society. Uh, the things that attract us, the things that draw us in, are now constantly being used against us to get us to buy things, which is the whole um, commercial and the way commercials are presented the way the entire um, online game thing, it's all supposed to hit the same instincts that make gambling addiction so easy and food addiction. Yeah, that's right. The hyperpalatable processed foods have rooms full of engineers working on making them hyperpalatable by uh, piggybacking them onto things that we're evolutionarily designed to like. Yeah, we are evolutionarily designed to desire sweetness because it was rare and it was a ready source of food. It was a ready source of energy. And so when you found a beehive full of honey, you would eat the entire beehive full of honey and you would put all that on as fat because you're going to use that fat. It's in the modern society where it is sedentary lifestyle, abundance of food in a way that never existed before in humanity and was, there was no way of evolutionary predicting such a thing. Yeah, so I don't know if this makes any practical difference, but maybe it helps to some degree in combating these urges, having some idea where it is they come from and why they're there. Dr. Kevin Payne 
spoke to me on expectation management and also self-kindness and how the two can work together. You know the old parable about eating the elephant, right? How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Yeah, one bite at a time. Yeah. And and we we can we can feel so overwhelmed because we're focusing only on the big picture. And it can feel so daunting. And it can feel like there's absolutely no one no way to to make a step forward. And and what I would like everybody to walk away from this with is we can all become more humble. We we don't have to solve our problems in a big go. And if we try to do that, we're we're gonna fail. You're going to fail. And and I talk about that. This is like the first few chapters in my book. Um with the snazzy picture of me in free fall on the on the cover. But you know, the important thing is sometimes we don't take the step that we want to take because we are we find it humiliating. Maybe if it's not even in front of other people, we find it humiliating to ourselves that we can only do this small thing. But going back to what I said earlier, the small thing is light years different than nothing. So don't let the perfect get in the way of the good, right? Or the better. Do the small thing. Be humble. And and you will find, on average, you'll get a little better each day if you do the small thing. That's what I got. My buddy Tony Lugo talked about setting realistic expectations and not being self-defeating. Uh, the thing I would tell him that is to trust the process. And the process is not going to take two weeks. It's going to take six months or longer. Um, and if you're really in tune, you'll notice the slight changes, the v- incredibly slight changes three to four weeks in, and that'll help motivate you to stay on track. But it, it would be my best piece of advice would be to trust the process. Uh, stay at your level and progress from there. Don't go in with an ego and say, I need to, I need to lift what I lifted in high school or something like that. Um, cause you're just not going to do it unless you're already there. And if you don't do it, it's going to demotivate you and you're going to, you're going to quit. I would say <clears throat> habits, make it a habit. You're going to hate it for a while but eventually you're you'll find yourself going through a day where you missed a workout and you you hate that you missed a workout like your body is telling you that you need to do something so you end up going for a walk or you end up just making up for it by eating a healthier dinner and and hydrate and eat right hydrate and hydrate some more and uh if you don't have that laser focus in the gym, just just try to make it a habit. Just uh, um, practice it because practice makes perfect. I talked to Jay Maddox about the aspects of training that often get neglected. 
what, in your opinion, in your learned expert opinion, are the bits and pieces people neglect and end up paying a heavy, heavy price for because of that neglect? Food and rest. That's the biggest things when you want to, you know, when you come to fitness, muscle growth, um, joint mobility, food and rest. What you put in your body is what fuels your body. You put junk in it and you're going to perform exactly like that junk you put in there. If you don't get rest, your body can't function, right? Because it didn't get the recovery and it'll be put under too much stress. So you're saying that bugles aren't exactly your best marathon food. Is that is that the <laughs> point you're putting out? Does the no, flavor of the bugles make a difference to that? No. Yeah, but those are the, those are definitely the, um, the two the two major things, you know, because your body. You, I mean, you can go to the gym and work out really good, but if you don't allow your muscles to, you know, recover and you know even those cells to, you know, build, you know, you just you tearing them down and you get muscle damage. Is it a matter of overtraining where they're like? they don't give respect to rest because if well, um, somebody who's training hard may get into the mindset of not wanting to be quote unquote lazy. So rest day, some people start giving up rest days. They work out for, you know, they find a way of doing it seven days in a row. Is that one of the problems you're thinking about? Or is it just sort of like in the modern day, we're supposed to work all the time and then we've got to work. It's a very much a work-based culture and sleep, uh, deprivation seems culturally um expected i was no i would say more more in the lines of um it, it kind of plays into like ego and being impatient like once you're once you're working out you can work out for your arms you can do arms three times a day i mean sorry or three times a week or four times a week but men we have egos we're impatient we want to grow it so we'll work we'll work them out for six days straight and, you know, um, maybe all week, seven days, six days, but that's too much. You know, it needs time to, you know, to relax itself. It needs time to grow and recover and all the cells. But that type of not, not having rest, we, you know, we, we want to push it, push it, push it, push it. But you really, you know, you're prone to more injury as you push your body for overtraining. When you overload your muscles in that sense, it's too much because you can, you can get a great progressive overload on growing your, your, um, your muscles through a three-day, um, a, a three-day or four-day thing. But anything more, it, it, sometimes it's just, it's too much. You, you could overstrain your body. Everybody's body is different. Some people, um, you know, body type can, you know, it can actually exceed more. Like you could be working at a, a factory, you know, or um, on railroads and that's been your thing. And guess what? Your body has been trained to do that. And, you know, you've been, whatever you're doing on the side, your recovery, your body's, you, you, that's your body type and you can, you can do it. But most people, it's an ego and impatient thing. They feel like, oh, I'm, I'm losing my gains, but it's not true. <laughs> it's not true. Well, if somebody, let's say somebody is trying to grow out their chest or, or just they're trying to grow their muscles, how would you arrange that week? So I've hired you to train me to make me look like the miniature professional wrestler I'd always want to look like because I don't actually have legs. So I'm never going to be six foot two, but I want that ripped physique. What would my days look like? How would you, for ideal making that happen, what would the days look like? Let's say, say if it's like it was a Monday, it'll be like a push day. You'll do, you use your push muscles. The next, then the next day you'll be your pull muscles. Then there'll be your, um, your full body. And then you'll do another push and you know, the pull and then you'll rest and then you'll do core. So you'll, you'll break them down, you know, and such, because, you know, when it comes to your, um, when it comes to even working on your chest, you know, even to get a bigger chest, more weight. You need to work right here, you know, get, get into your lats. You need to be able to work on the back, back end as well. So do the push, the pull, you know, alternate, you know, something like shock your body. Don't just put your body in a, a regular 
simple um a repetitive thing where it, it just catches the cycle you know you know like you know shock shock your muscles so i would say you know a, a push a push day a pull day um a, a, a full body day a, a core day so just switch them up and how much variation would you do with um the actual exercises within each individual day um let's see uh it probably would be save as a push day it probably like five or five to six different exercises and like maybe three to four sets you know each at, at reps that you can maintain with you know proper uh proper mechanics you know um without overstraining something you can you know sustain yourself through five to six exercises so we're talking about 20 to 25 sets mm-hmm. yeah apparently i yeah. can't do math like five would you be varying the exercises from, so on this push day, I've decided I'm going to do bench press, uh, push-ups, maybe um, dumbbell flies, and then um, throw in, then like maybe do like some hammer curls, and then maybe some like kind of the reverse curls to get the, make sure I'm also getting the forearms. Would then the next push day, would I do different yeah, I, I will switch them up. You'll now you do if you do the um the the, the flat bench, do the incline, and then do the decline with it. You know, I was just you know, uh, and then of course you got the you know the cross cables. So it's 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 many things. You High can, mid you know, and alternate. low. <laughs> yeah, you can you can switch up many things, or you, you can do it like just hesitation, like you know, um, you can pull it now, you know, hesitate. Uh, it's called the pause reps, and then push up. So you're not going off momentum. It's it's a lot of things. You can change your grips. You know, so. Also do like one where you count, do it like slow down and then kind of like a normal up or, or reverse that just like, you know, a regular down, then a like five count to get back up. Yes. Yeah, so even that works. It's all about, you know, you know, just, you know, training, training your body. You really have to discipline your muscle to even take that on, you know? So that's the whole part of muscle growth. Because trust me, your muscle don't want to do that. Your muscle want to just let it go and push it up. So you're making them do it like, uh, it, it only gets stronger. Thank you for joining me for this little walk down memory lane. Next week, we'll be back with some kind of guest. But in the meantime, if you want to reach out, you can find me on all the socials at Fittest Fat Kid or at Bruce Naxon. And if you've got a question or concern, feel free to leave that at hi there at fittestfatkid.com. So anyway, no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, hold yourself accountable, but do it with kindness and understanding. And I'll talk to you next week.